0: Hello, and welcome to Meditations from Middle Earth. My name is Strider, and I'm a Christian worker here in where I call Middle Earth. We love to meditate on God's Word, and He's given us so many unique and rich experiences here in Middle Earth, and I'd like to share those insights with you here on Meditations from Middle Earth. Well, good afternoon, or at least it's the afternoon here. And today I want to talk about the Beatitudes. I'd like to start a new series uh, talking, basically walking backwards through Matthew. Um, In chapter 5, he has the Beatitudes, and this is his declaration of what the kingdom of God is like, or more specifically, what um, the participants in the kingdom of God are like. And uh, as as I look at the Beatitudes, I see uh, three sets of three here. You've got, uh, we'll be doing today in this uh, podcast, we'll be doing uh, the poor in spirit, uh, those who mourn, and the meek. And uh, then we'll do two more podcasts on um, the next two sets of three. And then we're going to walk backwards and we're going to look at... Uh, what the kingdom of heaven is not like and what those um, who are in the kingdom of heaven don't do as we look at Jesus in his temptation in Matthew chapter 4. And then we're going to go back one more step to Jesus and his baptism in chapter 3. And this I would uh, like to put forward as a gospel presentation of what is the kingdom like and an invitation for us to participate in the life of the kingdom. So uh, as we begin, we look at the Beatitudes in chapter 5, and Jesus coming after his temptation experience comes out, begins to teach the crowds up on the mountain. Here in uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he goes on to speak for another almost 20 minutes in what we call the Sermon on the Mount, where he's going to continue to flesh out what does it mean when he says the kingdom of God is heaven, has has come. So his announcement is that the kingdom has come. And then as he's making this big announcement that the kingdom has come, the question then comes, what's the kingdom like? And who gets to be in it? And... Here he is saying his blessings. So these are what the people um, in the kingdom of heaven are going to be like. And beginning, right at the beginning here, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' listeners would have uh, immediately pricked up their ears at this because here's this guy talking about the poor and they're poor. Jesus has not shown up into Jerusalem. He is not preaching to the Pharisees. He is not preaching to the king. He is not preaching to the people in powerful positions. He's not preaching to the rich, per se. He is out among the common folk. And these common folk have largely been left behind by the religious establishment. Uh, These guys are on the outside looking in because obviously to be blessed in their world is to have goods and property and servants. You think about even keeping the Sabbath on the Sabbath day, the way that the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the, of the time taught that you had to keep the Sabbath. Could they even do that? Well, of course they couldn't. They had animals, and uh, goodness, Jesus got in trouble later on even for spitting On the ground and making mud when he went to heal the blind man, which of course he did very deliberately. But at this time, this is considered work. He is plowing by his spittle, hitting the ground and making a groove in the earth, and therefore uh, he is breaking the Sabbath. Well, obviously, poor people can't uh, not do anything on the Sabbath day. They have animals, you know, the farmers have to get out and do something with their crops. Uh, the, even, if they, even if they don't do the big harvest on a Sunday or a, a Sabbath day, uh, still they're going to have to do something. The animals have to be fed. Life has to happen, and poor people don't have somebody else to do it for them so that they can sit around and have the luxury of having a Sabbath the way that the Pharisees were teaching them to have a Sabbath. Now, of course, one of the things Jesus is going to demonstrate is the fact that they're doing the Sabbath all wrong. However, to start here, Jesus is already getting their attention by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Because these guys are all thinking, I'm on the outside. I can't be in. I'm not a priest. I don't get to go into the temple. I'm not a a rich person. I don't have the luxury to keep all these laws, to make all these sacrifices. I am not able to be a good person, a religious person. I am not able to be somebody who God loves. And they feel on the outside. And here's Jesus coming and saying, no, 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 no. blessed, happy are they who are poor in spirit. You guys who feel that you don't have it all together. You guys who feel that you um, aren't the ones in control, who are not large and in charge, who are not able to keep all the laws. You guys who feel poor, you're the ones who are rich. You're the ones um, that I can say to you, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is for you i've created this kingdom i have brought this kingdom and this kingdom is for you it is not for somebody else you qualify uh, not by your great and wonderful deeds but because i decided you qualify your poor in spirit is qualifying already and this is such an important concept so this really uh, and and certainly um this is not a new concept or an original concept with jesus the idea of being humble uh, goes, it transcends cultures and it transcends religions. People have been talking about this for a long time. If you say, I know, then you're leaving no space for somebody else to give you new information. You're saying, I know, cuts off future possibilities. When you say, I don't know, you open yourself up to the opportunity to learn something new and to move in a new direction. So to be poor in spirit means that you're acknowledging to God that you don't know at all, that you don't know what his kingdom is like. You don't know what his blessings are like. You don't really know what he's like. And now you give him the opportunity to come and be your teacher. Now you give God the opportunity to come and tell you who he is. If you already know, if you've already gripped on to what you believe solidly, then you don't have the opportunity to learn more and go deeper. And what I want to point out here is that as we go through these blessings, I don't believe that this is a beginning stage. What we many times do is we begin in our young life, as we come up through our teens and into our 20s, we, we come to the state where we realize that we don't know. Obviously, when you're, when you're much younger and you're immature, you, then, you believe that you know everything. But you, you, you come to a place where you don't know. And then you open yourself up to new possibilities. And God comes and teaches you something special and something unique. And then you say, oh, great, now I've got it. Uh, I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to know I'm going to listen to my pastor at church. I'm going to listen to good Bible teaching. I'm going to listen to these things, and then I will know. And then I'll know it all, and I'll have it down, and then I'll be full. And this is not where we're going with this. No. It's blessed are the poor in spirit, now and for always, we always need to keep our heart open to God. We always need to allow him to continue to speak into us what is true and what is good and what is real. You Just think about how important this is. Because for too many Christians, we've opened ourselves up to God early on in our Christian walk. We allowed him to teach some things, and now we've got our dogma down. And as we have our dogma down and we're telling, we're shaking our finger in the faces of everybody else and saying, this is the way, this is the truth, this is the life, I know it all, and I'm firm in my convictions. Well, good for you, you're firm in your convictions, but are you really saying that you know all about God and all that he has to offer and all that he is? You can't. It's a lie. And the person that Jesus is looking for to populate his kingdom, the person that he's calling blessed is the person who can continually admit, not just yesterday and the day before, but today and tomorrow, that he's poor in spirit. I've studied the Bible for years and years and years and years. Forty years now I've studied the Bible, more than 40. And I can honestly say I've not begun to scratch the surface of who God is, of all the things that he has to teach me, of all the ways that I still need to grow. There are some things that I can say I believe are true. For instance, I can say that the scripture that I'm reading right now is true. But I can't tell you that I understand everything about this scripture, even today. So I have to maintain this attitude of humility that says, I still have more to learn. I'm still poor in spirit. And if I can say that, then the promise to me is that mine is the kingdom of heaven. That the kingdom of heaven is open before me for those who are humble enough to admit that they don't know and are able to receive it. And now let's move on to uh, verse 4 here in Matthew 5. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Well, on the one hand, this sounds a whole lot like Corinthians, right? Where God talk where where Paul talks about us being comforted with the comfort that we comfort others with, you know, or that we comfort others with the comforted that we're comforted with. In other words, if we suffer and God comforts us, then we're able to comfort others. And so you think, oh, well, this this sounds similar to that idea. So if I mourn difficult circumstances, I can count on God to comfort me. And that is true. But mourning is more than that here. As mourning becomes an aspect of your character and personality, and not all of us are like, some of, some people are very maudlin, very downcast, uh, always pessimistic. And that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is as we look at the world, and we see that the world is suffering, and we mourn that. How we react to suffering, how we react to sin, how we react to selfishness and self-centeredness and the evil and the injustice in the world. Are we angry about it, shaking our fist at it, elevating ourselves as better than it? Or do we mourn it? I'll give you a quick example that's very alive to me is the whole issue of homosexuality. As we think about people who have gone down this difficult path of homosexuality, do you know any people like that? How? What is your reaction to them? Very often, the Christian community is viewed as just being against those people, as being angry at those people, at saying, "Wow, those people are not what they are supposed to be," and therefore I stand against them. Well. How about mourning them? If we believe that people are caught up in sin and suffering and struggle, can we not walk alongside them and mourn with them the difficult life, the difficult road that they're walking down? Because I have had many friends who walk down this path. It's not an easy path. It's not one that they say, oh, I just... Love going down this path. This path is so fun. This path is so awesome. I'm just having a great time. No, that's not their story. Their story is one of struggle. Their story is one of rejection. Their story is one of difficulty. And when they look at the Christian community, all they see is more heaped up anger and hostility and condemnation. Jesus comes along and says, you're blessed if you mourn. And what is Jesus' reaction to sin and suffering and struggle? He mourns it. You see him in Matthew 23, standing over the city of Jerusalem, the city that's about to crucify him. As he stands there, getting ready to go down, and he weeps over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem city that stones the prophets, how long I've longed to... uh, hold you like a, a hen gathering her chicks and you were not willing he's not angry at them he's not shaking his fist at them he's mourning with them that they're lost that they're in the wrong road and they're suffering and they're hurting one another so badly and all he wants to do is to embrace them cannot can we do that with sin and, and with people who are sinning, with people who are struggling, with people who are, who are uh, walking difficult paths, can we not embrace them and mourn with them rather than being angry and shaking our fist at them? I think this is such an important way that we can recover our humility and say, you know, I'm not better than you. You've got your struggles. I've got my struggles. Rather than judging you and putting you down. How about we just build each other up and say, hey, I love you, and I'm sad with you when your life is hard, and I'm happy with you when your life is good. Can we do that? Because Jesus says, blessed are you who mourn, for you'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So as we look at the meek now, This, to me, sums up the first three, because meekness, which, of course, has become now in the English language such a weak word, Uh, a meek person, especially in our Western culture, is somebody who uh, doesn't stand up for themselves, isn't confident. Um, But in the in the true meaning of the word, though, it's somebody who's willing to learn. You know, blessed are the meek. Not the people who know it all. Uh, again, returning more to the idea of poor in spirit. Not the, not, these are not the people who are uh, shaking their fist at the world or, or saying, I know everything. I'm, I'm, in, I'm large and I'm in charge and I've got it all together. The meek are the ones who are willing to learn. And they're the ones who are going to inherit the earth. They're the ones who are going to listen to Jesus as he instructs us, when when they, they're going to hear the voice of God. And, and for me, discipleship is hearing the voice of God and obeying him. And you can't hear the voice of God if you already know everything. And so it's only the learner, it's only the seeker who finds. It's only the one who knocks that the door is open to. The learner is the one who's going to unlock the keys here uh, unlock the locks with, and, and, and open up the opportunity to see the kingdom of God come. They shall inherit the earth. The future is belongs to those who are meek, for those who are seeking, for those who know they don't have it all, and for those who are still willing to learn. And this concludes the first three, and it's summed up in humility. For those who are humble, God exalts the humble and puts down the prideful, and it's as simple as that. And these are not characteristics that get us into the kingdom that then lead us to then characteristics that that become prideful, become angry, become something else. No, the person who's in the kingdom is always this way, is always one of humility, and therefore we need to. Um, Really get a hold of this concept that as we look to God and we become followers of Jesus and we look to God who's created the universe, one of his greatest attributes is humility. You just think about how Jesus is with us. He comes to the world, he debases himself, you know, being born in a manger. He grows up with the skin knees, creator of the universe that he is. And he's and he's living in a backwards village, in a difficult difficult time, in a conquered country, in a country overrun by Roman soldiers. Uh, here's Jesus growing up as a carpenter, in Nazareth, and then he becomes a teacher of his own people, rejected by them, and put on a cross. He lives his whole life, giving away his rights giving up his uh, position, giving up his authority in order to, um, in humility, show us the way. And the way is the way he went, which is to the cross, which is through humility. We start there and we never leave there. And so I encourage you today to look at your life, to look at your attitudes, and to come back to being poor in spirit, to mourn the brokenness of the world as, as God mourns the brokenness of the world. And instead of being angry at injustice, just mourn with it, just sit with it. And in humility, love it. Love the world as he loves it. And when we can do that, then we will find that we belong in his kingdom because we have become like him. May God richly bless you today. This has been Meditations from Middle Earth. May God be your ever-present teacher and richly bless you on your journey.